0: November 8th, 2022, in Masechet, Sanhedrin, and Daf'ayin Vav Amudal, for five lines from the bottom, Three words onto the line. If you call the Gemara, very briefly, the context is only necessary, very briefly, I was dealing with this Pasuk, which it had, had, had cited as a challenge to perhaps understanding what it means. The Gemara was really uh, channeling it as a question on Rabbi Avin, uh, to which he responded and explained and pointed out that the word... Tehalel has a dual meaning, not only tahel, but tehalel. It's talking about two all that notwithstanding. The Gemara now turns, and again, that context is only very briefly necessary, to Abaye and Rava and asks them, how do they interpret this pasuk? What do they use this pasuk for? What's this pasuk perhaps hinting or instructing us of? Again, to translate the words... Don't bring forth Hilu, uh, profane, uh, losing the sanctity of your daughter, le has it sounds like to bring her to zenut. Zenut, of course, is sexual promiscuity. It says the Gemara, amar. Even in, thank you, even in a non kohen circumstance, there's still. I mean, we know this, an inherent sanctity certainly to all of Am Yisrael, but even to all human beings. And as a result, the Pasuk is talking not only in the context of Parashat Emor of not But it's a general statement to all. How, how would they explain that? In what circumstances are you bringing that Zenut upon your daughter, so to speak? That Hilul? Amar zeh zehamasi et bitoh Le-zaken. This would be a circumstance where the father marries his daughter to a zakin. Rashi, three lines from the bottom, last word on the line, says, <coughs> The zenut, the sexual promiscuity, is a natural outcome or almost a necessary outcome, your daughter whom you've married to a zakin, to an elderly man who might not be interested any longer in procreating, having children and having relations, it will drive her in turn and you're setting her up for that, for zenut, for wrongful sexual activity in such a circumstance. Uh, Before we read onward, there is a uh, question that's raised, just keep in mind, Who's speaking over here? To be Okay, so just uh, read the beraita together with me. It'll be most telling over here. Kid de tanya's the beraita says al techal lelet has nota. The beraita explicitly citing this pasuk says Rebbi Elazar Omer Ze hamasiyet b'tolezaken. Period. I will talk about in a moment. But Rebbi Elazar explicitly has that interpretation of this pasuk. If a person marries his daughter to an elderly man, hard to quantify what elderly is. Of course, it has to do with regards to drive and, passion for life and for uh, building a family, uh, but that would be a person who's Um, The question that's raised in this context, in a real sense, is, does that mean that uh, nobody can get married to an elderly person? Is it wrongful? So the diuk that many of the Aharonim set forth it starts with one of the Rishonim, sefer hasidim is that the gemara is talking about this from the vantage point of the father not from the daughter zehamasi et bitoh the pasuk is talking about bitecha lehasnota it's talking about almost a forced marriage and not absolutely forced but setting her up in this situation where this isn't her natural will if alternatively this is what she's interested in and all circumstances considered this is appropriate then it would be um, maybe even uh, praise worthy for such a situation to be in place in well, fact what's that yeah. I don't know punish he was from the Torah I don't know if we're actually going to punish him unless it actually you know that's, that's, it's very much not advisable does the father have less word I, again if we're dealing with a, a, a child the, you know, the she's, she's a the or she's a ketana. she's a Uh, when she's older the father can't manipulate it to a full extent although we'll talk about that in a moment he could still manipulate a little bit Uh, let's assume over here we're talking about where he has basically full control Hayim She'al brings a proof, among others, if I'm not mistaken, um, to that sort of notion, that this is not an Isur inherently, this is not something objectively wrong. It's circumstantially, if the father is pushing this upon his daughter, forces his daughter into this, and then leads her to that as a result of it, but not if she's interested, because Rabi Li'ezer himself, in Avot binatan, uh, the, it is told that Rabi Ezar in his old age, uh, got invo- uh, his, his um, niece was, uh, was dealing with him was helping him and she had a passion and a will to be married to him instead of going out and getting married and indeed he got married to her uh, wait a second Billy Shitato, should not be engaged in such activity he's leading her into that but if it is not the uh, push of the father not the forceful side of another but rather of the individual themselves the girl so then not only is it not if it's the father, you're thinking about Mi'un, if it's the children, if it's the father, he's, there's no backing out at this point, he could be oh, that when she, when a kitten, That's a case of Kiddushin Minah Torah, potentially. Only with, only with, uh, the, the siblings, if the siblings the after the death of the father set this up, so that's only a Kiddushin Rabbanan, they can, she could back out. Uh, I will tell you anyway, uh, all right, I mean, you know, if you're going to say she's a katana, so she can't be involved. But even if, let uh, so give her a, a week or two, whatever, we're going to look at the father, even if that were uh, hypothetically uh, true. What, what can I learn? Like, don't force her in any situation where she doesn't want, because she's going to go into that track. Why go to Um Any situation of, of wrongful marriage. <coughs> Well, again, the Torah, certainly historically, uh, maybe harder to make the claim today, the Torah has a vision that women once upon a time, which was the reality, did not have rights in and of themselves uh, on their own. And as they got older, the fear was they will lose the ability to find the the suitable uh, mate, and so the father could, and maybe even had the responsibility of having a few lines in the Gemara, maybe even should be involved in such a thing, setting her up, because he might have that foresight. So, and not so simple, again, circumstantially, we could determine it. Rabbi Akiva, listen to it on the flip side. He says, it's in a circumstance that the man is he doesn't quite, you know, that's Nathan, that's what I was referring to instead of marrying her when she's a child he leaves her to become a bogeret he allows for her to mature without marrying her off in such a circumstance you're, in a certain respect the vision of Rabbi Akiva is setting her up for sin She's, uh, she's ready, she's excited to get involved in a marriage, and a relationship. Uh, you're not uh, involved, in, you're allowing and, and holding on to her until she's a bogeret. Uh, says the Gemara already elaborating on that. and says, how would you be Masheh? In what way could you, would you manipulate this? Amarav kana, rasha'arum bito bogeret. He says, You don't have a person who's truly impoverished in Israel. In a moment, we'll interpret it as impoverished and Rasha, a, a poor, wicked person. R- uh, who is that specifically? Let's first define those words and then fine tune the statement, defining those words as Rashi does. says, Rashi, He uh, holds on to it and says, I need you, Rohi. I can't let you get married. I know you're of age to choose on your own, but please. I need your work. Look, I don't have the money. I need your help in the house. I need you to make the food for me. I need you to tend to the house. I need you to work in the field and take care of all of my business uh, dealings. I'm not able to do it or I don't have the help to do it. And you manipulate the circumstance to the extent that you're bonding, you're bo- keeping her in bondage instead <laughs> of allowing for her to get out. In such a circumstance, says Rabbi Akiva, Rasha Arum. Arum, not nakedness, but Arum like the Nahash, a sly, kniving a manipulative circumstance. You're, you can't control the daughter at this age, but you control her through false compassion, through making her sympathize with you and telling her we don't have another way of dealing with this. In such a circumstance, you're setting her up for rebellion in some way or another, you're beyond that. In the broader sense, you're ruining her life. It seemed as if you were talking about two separate statements. Who is a ani Israel? Who's the greatest impoverished, poor person, destitute individual in Israel? It's a. It sounded like a rasha arum. And b. Mashibito. M'ashe means to hold on to. Means to not uh, not push something forward. That's not uh, two separate things, aren't they? One, isn't a rasha arum, somewhat synonymous, the sly, conniving father who's making certain that his daughter imagines their their poverty-stricken situation to be her responsibility? Amara Bayez, as a indeed, fine-tuning it, here's how you read it. Ezehu ani arum. how do you define the paradigmatic, the greatest example of a person who's in ani arum? he's playing the poor card while using wickedness and being sly in doing so effectively uh, looking to each of us to appropriately engage with our children uh, in raising, rearing and guiding them without uh, constricting them giving them appropriate space and not too much per se uh, in other words the the vision is that you are setting them up for success but at the same time there has to be a, a clear distinction between your own And there's, Now this next statement is nothing other initially than the same rabbi speaking. It's Rav Kahana in the name of Rabbi Akiva. Otherwise it has nothing to do unless we interpreted the last passage properly. What's the statement? You should be careful from a person who's advising you, with a bias. Which means to say, turn to a person who can be, in your eyes, unbiased when you're looking for advice. What does it have to do with the last name? Again, mine have nothing to do with the last name. It's just the same rabbis and Gimana decided to place it up here. From time to time, it'll do so. Unless, alternatively, it's directly linked into the last name. The last statement was. No, I don't know. Why to the woman? But uh, I envision it as uh, buttressing the last statement. The last statement was the daughter is. And needs, oh, I guess that's what you're saying, needs to be careful in understanding the advice being given to her by her father, or me and you, by anyone else, because the father might, and in this circumstance, when he's (laughs) mashet, bito bokeeret, have his own will, his own passion and life in mind, instead of hers, instead of yours. (laughs) So we saw the uh, detrimental status of... Marrying the daughter to a zaken, that was uh, the pasuk uh, we were nervous about earlier. Al so first and foremost, bitol we talked about. Alternatively, on the flip side, uh, there's a woman whom you marry to your Beno katan. Beno katan means a child, so he's below the age of appropriate uh, maasebia involvement in having children, and you have a woman with him. It's the same fear, says Rashi. The fear is uh, she's interested in building a family, she's interested in engaging in relations. And it's not a possibility, but you're holding on to this with the vision, with the will. Well, this is the right girl, and that's the right, uh, but it's but it's not appropriate right now. You're setting her up for sin. aveda lakuti, and lastly, or legoy, depending on whether it's censor or not. And if you return a uh, lost item to a kuti, a kuti refers to a non-Jew. A kuti really is specifically specific non-Jews, but the uncensored version here is to a non-Jew. <inaudible> we'll have to figure out what that means, you're returning something that was lost of theirs to them. About them, about one of these three, or all of these three circumstances, the hachamim envision that as, lemaan sefot harava et lo Yove Adonai selo God, the Torah tells us, won't be able to bring Himself to a certain extent to forgive you if you are sefot, sefot is interpreted over here as combining. Harava et asemea. To, to be rave means that you're uh, unsatiated, you're thirsty, you're interested in something. Semea means you're thirsty for something. You're bonding together uh, the one who needs with the one who's already satiated or the one who doesn't need. How so? First and foremost, let's go through these. The Zaken circumstance was the man is no longer interested in this. The man is an established family. The man no longer has that sort of drive for building a family and putting a daughter who has that potential, has that capability, who has that thirst for that and bonding them together, you're setting her up for sin because they won't be able to have an appropriate engagement in marriage. So too, if you take a, a woman and you're masi te katan, you invite, you're inviting to a certain extent uh, like the p- potentials of sin over here. You're putting a child with this woman, the child's not able to engage in activities and relationships and building families in a way that she'd be interested in. It's one who's satiated, with the, or so to speak, no, not hungry right now, with the one who's thirsty for building a life. That's uh, so inviting sin as well. And lastly, mahazir avedale aveda how's that? Well, the vision on that one goes as follows. The kuti, the non-Jew, is a person who's satiated, doesn't have a passion for mitzvot, and you're coming closer to them by giving back a, a lost object of theirs. Let's just focus for a moment on la- and, and you coming forward are the one who's thirsty for Pkiyum HaMitzvot. It's an inappropriate bond. What's, let's just focus specifically on that last one. What's wrong about uh, returning the item to a non Jew? It's coming too close to them. That's what it sounds like. Rashi on our page suggests the problem is in such a circumstance, you're showing that the fulfillment of this mitzvah of Hashavat Aveda is not of foremost importance to you. You just want to be a humanitarian. You're not interested in performing the mitzvot of the Torah. If you were interested specifically in mitzvot Torah, you'd be looking for the lost items of Jews, you found the lost item of a non-Jew, says Rashi that to a certain extent reveals your inner workings, that you're not interested in kiuma mitzvot you're just interested in your own system of right and wrongs. It's a difficult uh, claim unless um, unless we fine-tune Rashi and we suggest there's a person who's searching specifically for a life of hashevat Veda to a non-Jew. Uh, to suggest instead that by one time giving it back, difficult uh, to make the full claim, but it might be Rashi's stance on it. You're, You're certainly not obligated, and that's the point that Rashi makes. But what I'm saying is you found it. Uh, that's a theoretical. You walk outside and you found it. Yeah, you should keep it, In other words, Rashi seems to be saying there's something inappropriate in giving it back because you're exposing your true intention. My true intention, I'm involved in Torah Mitzvot the whole day. I happen to have walked out of Knesset and I found this on the floor and I know who it belongs to. It belongs to the security guy. I shouldn't give it in order to show? Maybe. Maybe it's a strong statement. It's a strong, strong statement. Unless it's, I go out of my way in some respect, which is injecting words into the Gemara and Rashi, which maybe is inappropriate of me to do so. Harambam in perek yod al gezelana avedah is an altogether different approach. Harambam over there suggests that the problem over here is specifically that you're mahazik yad lareshaim. You're helping out those who are wicked. Harambam is clear. This is talking about an oved avodah zarah. This is specifically about a non-Jew who's involved in idolatrous practices. If it's another non-Jew, there's no problem. If it's an idolatrous non-Jew, if it's a person who's oved avodah zarah you're bringing the, oh, that, and the reading in the Gemara is a lot cleaner, according to Harambam, because it's bonding the sefot, sefot, haravata semea, you're taking the one, the one nation, and connecting it with another, inappropriately, wrong nation. As a, as a result, the and then they throw this yeah, I, you know, obviously there's a whole lot more, but in context, I, I wasn't at the class at the time that he said this. I imagine it was something that was Omed al for the reason that he brought it up. Um, what I will tell you is the difference between Rashi and Harambam might be fundamental and foundational. Again, according to Rashi, this problem, whatever it is, as, I, as we discussed earlier, would apply to any non According to Harambam, it's specifically to an Oved Avodah Zara. Lastly, the Gemara, Bava has a similar passage, but it's not identical to this one. It's a different pasuk, and that's where the Gemara makes clear, as Nathan said earlier, just that it's not an obligation to give the lost item back to a non-Jew. It doesn't say over there this Isur that our Gemara seems to be driving home. Over there, Mi'iri, that's a southern French, uh, important one of the Rishonim, in a famous statement, which he writes in several places in his commentary, suggests that when the Gemara refers over here to non-Jews, it's referring to the classic of the Avodah What does he mean by that? It means it's those who have wrongful interpersonal activities. The Torah, as we talked about last week, talks about aved avodah and not just as bowing to idols or worshiping them, but it's a lifestyle which is filled with decrepit, terrible ways of life. As we mentioned, the illicit relations in the Torah are part of the Zima of the of the emori of the of the, imori, of the, of the As a result, says Mi'iri, when this gemara and several others reference uh, uh, a non-Jew, it refers specifically to the avodah of then those who don't have proper interpersonal relations. It's a not fully accepted Mi'iri in the halachic domain because what he opens very clearly, explicitly says so, is the opportunity for us to envision Christianity as not Avodah Because if you find Christians, if this is the case, and they have proper interpersonal relations, they are moral people and ethical, they just have wrong theological visions, Mi'iri would say, that's not Avodah, not that it's permitted, but that's not the Avodah that we're talking about in this given and others. All right, it's all important to, to be discussed and addressed on another occasion. Says the Gemara over here, I have a question on that last statement of Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav. Again, the three circumstances that he mentioned, the Masiyet Et the Masih Libno Katan, and then lastly, the Mahazir HaVeda Legoy, Lenokri, Lekuti, Metive HaOhevet Ishto KiGufo, VahMechabeda Yoter Megufo, says the pasuk, you should know that there's peace in your tent, in your home. And, uh, and, and it'll lead to a circumstance where you're able to have a cohesive unit without sin. Uh, pause for a second. Before we go through all the cases, let's just focus on what the Gemara is questioning and then deal with what was all mentioned. The questioning on the last one, the statement over here is it's appropriate. You're bringing peace to your home if you're marrying your children, you're finding them the suited, the appropriate uh, um, mate, Samkhli uh, Pirkan means "before they're mature." Perik is the age of maturity.": Below the age of 13, 13 in a day. In other words, below that, below the 14th year of, of life. And a woman uh, below the age of 12. But again, the statement over here is that's appropriate. That's the contradiction we're asking. Before we uh, deal with the answer, let's just deal with all these circumstances. Again, the beraita says, the following are wonderful. You should strive for all this. That's what's going to bring to shalom in your ohil. That's what's going to bring to peace in your life, in your home, in your family building. Okay, A person who respects, honors, and loves their wife, their spouse, as if it's themselves. ha a person who gives the honor yoter for more than himself. What's the difference between ohev and kibud? Says Rashi, says Rashi, what does mechabeda mean? Rashi writes two words, betakhshitin na'in, with uh, nice um, jewelry. How did Rashi know that, mechabeda, is a reference to nice clothing and jewelry. Maybe it's something else. The answer, I believe, is the Gemara on Masechet Shabbat. The Gemara on Shabbat. Or something like that over there. The Gemara has a derashan. V'chibbadeto me'asot erachecha. Memsohev vedaber davar. Says the Gemara. What's v'chibbadeto? That's begadim na'im. You're supposed to have nice clothing on Shabbat. That's kebod Shabbat. That's that's how you do kibbut on Shabbat. From the word v'chibbadeto. The Gemara goes on. It says Rabbi Yohanan used to call Mane. used to call his clothing. Mechabedai. Is used to call them that which gives me honor. In turn, I wonder if that's what Rashi is, is deriving again. Otherwise, it's redundant, first and foremost. It's not only redundant, self-contradictory. It means you're spending more money I think, generally speaking, pretty easy for us to spend more money on our wives' clothing and to allow them to spend more money to love them more than yourself. Difficult. That's why we start with however. Uh, but to allow for their for their expenses beyond yours or to engage in a relationship wherein that's appropriate that they're spending more or you're spending. However, that's being done, a uh, fantastic. And if you uh, give the derich, the pathway, which is yesharah, which is straight to your children, uh, sons and daughters. Of course, that's Again, that's our most uh, critical one over here. It's about them, about such a person who's doing all this appropriately, that's the person who has shalom in his oil, his nave, his abode has a certain has a, uh, a, a certain remembrance, has an appropriate uh, um, a status, and velotehetas, As the gemara again, metiveh, this is all a question, you told me a moment ago, Rav Yudah, in the name of Rav, that it's inappropriate to be masi, uh, to marry off your daughter when she's a tanat zaken. But moreover, and more specifically, it's inappropriate to be masiet beno katan to an Isha. I thought it's appropriate, says the Gemara. Did you pay attention to the words in the Beraita? Samuch, oh. at- Samuch. Samuch means close to. What's the period of time? Never made clear. But at the very least, it means right before they mature so you're getting this in right before they mature that's appropriate you're setting them up for success if alternatively you put them in and they're six years old they're eight years old they're ten years old and there's years ahead for this woman to be staring at this little boy who's uh, her husband and, bondi- and, and keeping her in bondage she's going out and uh, unfortunately sexually uh, uh, being promiscuous that's a statement then of the Gemara Rav was talking about at a distance this B'raitha says at a close proximity if anything the vision is, you've effectively taken away the urge for sin. If the son at the turning, uh, yeah, I'm not suggesting this, I don't know that Rav is suggesting, I think it's illegal, moreover, but if, 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 if at the age where he matures, he's already set up, well, you've avoided all sorts of sinful activity. So Rav sees that as, as even that as appropriate. That's the statement of the Biraita. Says the Biraita, a person who loves his neighbors, those who live next to him or her, and a person who brings in those who are closest to them. There it is, look at that. And a person who marries his niece from his sister. Rashi and Yevamot, Rishonim, Elsred, wonder. Sounds like it. Rabili um, we said, Nabotir Binatan did that. Uh, questions, why specifically from your sister? It could have been from your brother. If your niece is permitted, and it's about getting involved in the family, uh, well, then it could be. Says Rashi, people, generally speaking, are more compassionate, have more love in that respect to their sister than to their brother. So their sister's child, they're going to be closer to um, intuitively. All right, anyway, that being the case, I know, let's pause for a second on this one as well. There is something that Ashkenazim abide to until today, many of them. It's called Saba'at Rabiudah Hasid. Saba'at Rabiudah Hasid refers to a will and testament of Rabiudah Hasid. Rabiudah Hasid was a rabbi who lived late 12th, early 13th century in Germany in a place called Regensburg. And he had in his Saba'at, his final testament and will, lots of famous things that Ashkenazim until today are very careful about. So, for example, if you've ever heard of this one, that a window that's open you can't close, that you can't open someone else's mail. Lastly, for our purposes, in Savatri Biyudah Hasid is do not get married to your niece. That's quite a statement, it's against the Gemara. Uh, the other ones, alright, maybe they're expanding the Gemara, this is explicit in the Gemara. No, Behudar Biyah Haskalanda famously several hundred years later Biyah Haskalanda lived about 200 years the chief rabbi of Prague some 300 or so years ago and so he has in his tissue boat, he says listen we don't go against the words of Talmud uh, listen it might not be applicable at times but to say something that Talmud is praising is Asur he says on this we're not going to accept the words of Biyah Hasid we're going to imagine and to envision he was saying this to his descendants he saw something inappropriate in the continued lineage and he felt it was inappropriate specifically for them not to be applied across the board it's only I, I mention this only in context because Hasid has lots of tantalizing and questionable things for people in general there was not too long ago someone who closed the window in their home and then something to, uh, tragic happened in their family everything was healed afterwards but one of the children and another child had to go to the hospital and someone told them that's because you closed the window and they got very nervous what's that? If you have these windows and you want to change your decor in the house, so you want to close the window. Says Rabbi block it. Block it. That's, I'm sorry, block it. You know, put bricks in place of it. So I it turned to me at the time. Um, unfortunately, I'm not suited for these sorts of circumstances. It's many things, but certainly uh, these sorts of circumstances. I said, listen, my understanding of it is, A, I, I was able to support this with Tishubot. Sfaradim never accepted Rabbi Uda Hasid. I said, and B, according to my understanding, Rabbi Uda Hasid is binding in general for, as, as Hacham Vadia quotes in several places, for those who step into a world of mystical activity, so then we can... Imagine repercussions and consequences within that domain. If that's not the life you're living, if you haven't followed the other savaot of Rabbi Uda Hasid, if you're not living a life in which the mystical statements of the mikubalim is not what determines for you. Can't imagine that in some metaphysical world this is what's happening to. You. Uh, they weren't very happy with my response. Uh, that night I was at Jeffrey Gindi's wedding is maybe six years ago. As said, Hamaziel Mansur was there, so I approached. I started hysterically laughing. Of course, uh, I'll speak to them or whatever, and the matter was settled. I mean, the children got better as well, thankfully. But uh, that's that was the time. That was the kind. That was you know, weddings very useful for that. Um, Hamaziel was. But anyway, that that's in in context of our Gemara again. as as. Uh, Musa said, it appears as if not only was this something that they're, they're pra- not only something that, that used to exist, they're praising it, they think it's appropriate, keep it in the family, there's already a certain closeness, there's already a, a camaraderie in some respect, and this is a permitted relations. Lastly, se'la <laughs> le'ani a person who lends to a poor person at the time that is most pressing for them. So a person turns to a poor person, realizes that their back is against the wall financially, and you lend them then, so all these circumstances where you're appropriately looking at those around you, those involved, and sensitively treating them appropriately. I love about such a person, the pasuk says, as Tikra, va it's at that time you'll turn to Akadosh Hu and he'll be able to or he will respond to you. Who said that's what this is talking about? Pasukash is just saying then you'll call out to God and he'll respond. How do you know that's talking about all these types of circumstances? Rush. Yeah, R- Rashi quotes the entirety of the of the, uh, the Rashi helps us with the context over there So Rashi on the left hand side Tikrav Adonai Ya'ane says Rashi le'Elmine. earlier the Pasuk says Kitib it says Halo peros raav lachmecha Pasuk says you should give the uh, handout to the poor person your bread okay that's the first reference of what's appropriate Umibzarecha lo maybe it should say Titalem. Titalem, No? and I'll sure it's "Al, and there's a law I think is in the Pasuk. And you should, from your own flesh, don't vanish. Which means that the things that are mentioned as the appropriate activity for which the person who fulfills these, God will turn or will respond to you when you call out to Him. Oh, it's explicitly mentioned beforehand. That's the Dirasha of the gimara. What's the underlying uh, uh, vision of this? Uh, when you are sensitive to others, we imagine that existence and, of course, the source of existence, bore alam, will be sensitive to you. It's not that it's a quid pro quo. It's not that since I helped them, therefore you'll help me. It's rather when I'm in touch with others, when I'm in touch with a world outside of myself, the world outside of myself has a way of affecting me as well. Tanura banan. The pasuk says, and the Gemara will conclude this whole conversation with us, bring us back briefly to our initial conversation. If you recall, the pasuk in the Torah, which we began the whole thing with, said, "V'isha by eshi Pasuk says, if a person gets has relations with a woman and her mother, it's terrible. It's abomination, and he and Etin should be burnt. What does that word ethin mean? Uh, we referenced this on the first Amud. It was very confusing then. It says the Biraita over here, there's two interpretations to that word ethin. Again, Oto, we know, means he gets burnt. What's etin? Says the first derasha over here, Oto ve et ahat mehent tivrer Bishmael. The statement of Bishmael is the way we read that word ethin is one of them. How does the word ethin mean one of them? He'll explain to us in a moment that in Greek, in Yivani, the word Hina means one. So et hin means and one. So the reference in the Pasuk then is you burn him, because he had relations, and one of them. Who would the one of them okay. be? Oh, the mother in law, of course. No, the wife is permitted. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Tove Rabbi Akiva somehow interprets this as. Both of them, hin in, in truth, that's what the word seems to be in Peshat, who would we be referring to then in both of them? So we learned this already in the Gemara, it would be referring to the mother-in-law and the mother-in-law, the mother a mother-in-law. My Benayu says the Gemara, what's the difference between these two opinions? In other words, what underlies their opinions in terms of the derasha? mashma'ut dorshim Benayu. So from time to time, the Gemara says they have just a mashma'ut dorshim. It might not be fundamentally they disagree in halakha, but it's a question of how to read this word. What does ethin mean in the Torah? Uh, so, Rabbi Ishmael mm-hmm. Savar Oto ve eten Oto ve et men hot man. She can belash on Yavani, Corinna hat Hina. He says in, in Greek, uh, you refer to one as Hina. Mm-hmm. So it refers to one of them. Not that he disagrees that. Imo, ve, uh, excuse me, uh, Hamoto, his mother in law, Vem Hamoto, prohibited. It's that that's the way he reads the Pasuk. Uh, ve'em Hamoto, midrasha atya, And on daf ayin here, we had a dirasha for deriving as well the mother of the mother in law is being prohibited. Biakiva, who agrees with Rabbi Ishmael as well, uh, but says explicit in this Pasuk, you have sabar oto ve ten, oto ve the and the reference to the mother of the mother-in-law is explicit in this passage parenthetically, very briefly. How is it that Abishmael appeals to Greek? So we talked about this more than once recently. He's turning to Greek for the Torah. The vision of some of the Jewish mystics of Shalah HaKadosh and others is appealing to Rashi in the words of the Hachamim, by Migdal Bavel, The first language of existence in their eyes is Hebrew. And as a result, it's Lashon HaKodesh. As a result, after a dispersion of people, after the prolifer- pro- proliferation of languages, they all emanate fundamentally from an, an initial language. And that vision is, it's from Hebrew. So to look at Greek and to envision it as somehow speaking to a certain truth in Hebrew, in ancient Hebrew, that's the suggestion of many for the Bishma. It's not so crazy if you're interested and have looked into theory of language in today's day and age. It's becoming obsolete, but that was for quite some time the foundational opinion in the world of, of, of language creation that it started as one and then somehow became proliferated amongst others I know they're not claiming that it's Hebrew, but they are claiming fundamentally there's such a vision. Rava Amar, lastly, says the Gemara, in terms of interpreting that machlok between a Bishma'el and a B'Akiva, read it differently. This is what they're debating. They're actually debating a halacha. They're debating the following halacha. A mother-in-law after, on the death of a wife. What's the status? If she then permitted or not? Says a Bishma'el, what does the pasuk say? Oto v'ethen, which is a reference to him and one of them. Which one of them would be prohibited? Why? is certainly not prohibited. Uh, it must be the mother-in-law but the mother-in-law but the mother-in-law is well, why is it only one? it's after the death of a wife when there is only one woman meaning the mother-in-law she's still prohibited that's what the pasukah is saying when there's only one she's still prohibited no, mother-in-law after death is not prohibited from the Torah with serefa it might prohibit. prohibited it might be asur it will exist as an isur but not as a onesh of mitah with serefa who said there's an Isura at all? Rashi on the left-hand side, right before the Mishnah quotes the Pasuk, in mm-hmm. Devarim, I don't know, or So Arur Shokhev Im Hotantod. The Pasuk says, Cursed is a person who has relations with his mother-in-law. What do you mean, Cursed? He gets put to death. A reference, in turn, according to the Be'akiva, is even after the death of his wife, Arur. There's still a curse. It might not be death penalty, according to Be'akiva, but Isura, Be'alma, there is. Baruch Adonai le'alam. Amen, amen. V'amen. Amen. 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 Amen.